0: Hello everyone, this is episode 36 of Going Beyond Salvation and this is your host Jess Robinson. Um, We're continuing on in in the book of Exodus and we go into chapter 19 Um, and at this point they come apart, um, they come to the desert of Sinai and they go out to this mountain um, which is called Mount Sinai and this is where... We're going to see, this is where they're going to be at, at this point, um, in, in the story or in the book of Exodus. And here, this is an interesting part in chapter 19. Um, this is where God is establishing his covenant with the people of Israel. This is where the 10 commandments happen. This is where he starts establishing the law and, and how Israel was supposed to live set apart. Because they were going to go and they were going to deal with people that were, were totally different. And so the Lord had to set up a law of, and to know what was clean and unclean. What was right and what wasn't right. He had to set up boundaries. You know, think about it. When you know, you're a parent, you set up boundaries with your own children. You know, when they're supposed to go to bed, that they're to brush their teeth. That they have to take a bath and and the different rules, that they're not supposed to hit their brother or sister, that they're supposed to be respectful at the table. As a parent, you establish, you know, what you expect of your kids. And so, it's the same way with God. He's establishing boundaries for us as believers, so that we know what is right and what is, what is wrong. And so, he, you know, he was establishing this, but he I like this part in chapter 19 where Moses goes up to God and he calls him from the mountain and he says, this is what you are to say to the house of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how how I carried you on Eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be before me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. And so he's establishing that when they follow his, you know, commandments, when they walk out in faith with him and have this relationship with him, that they're going to be this treasure possession and that they are going to be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation he was setting them apart to be a holy nation. And we see in, in the book, in the Old Testament, this is setting up for Christ to come. This is the Lord setting up a people for the Messiah to come through, through Jesus to come through. And and as believers today, we have this same promise from from the Lord. You know, when we were we were once, you know, bound up in our sins, you know, we were slaves to our own sins and our own desires but when we come to know Jesus, we have this wonderful promise. And, you know, when I was, you know, it was a couple of years ago when I was in Laramie, I was just, you know, the Lord started speaking to my heart to write out like sermons. And this was before I knew I was going to start taking classes for ministry and stuff. And he took me from Exodus 19 to, to first Peter chapter two. And it says in, in verse nine, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so the Lord is establishing, just as he established this covenant with the Israelites, we have this covenant with Jesus. We have this covenant when we come to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that, you know, we go from darkness into light and that we become a chosen people. We are royal priests. We are a holy nation, you know, today in the world, the world is like telling us that we're not important, you know, you know, they think that, that life is not valuable. I mean, think about it if they think life was valuable abortion would be illegal you know and and now there's talk about euthanizing old people because people do not value life you know and that we have a new identity and and we realize you know an identity is such a struggle and in the world today you know identity revolves around you know what your sexual orientation is what you know what your gender is and and that's not what God wants us to focus on he wants us to focus on on who we are in him that you know we are not slaves to sin anymore that we are his sons and daughters that we're chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation a people belonging to God and that's what he was doing to these people in Israel, their identity for years had always been to slaves, as slaves in Egypt, and he was saying, no, you're not, you're in this covenant with me, and because of that, you're going to become a holy nation when you follow my laws, and that's how we should be as brand new believers, and, 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 and as believers that we have to cling on to this identity of who we are in Christ. And that's what the enemy doesn't want us to know. He doesn't want us to know who we are in Christ. He wants us to stay tangled up in the lies and the deceit that has been laid upon us. But when we realize who we are and the authority that God has given us. I mean, you know, like, you know, the last few few days, you know, after just a lot of things being prayed off off of me in regards to my identity, you know... Of what people have said about me it's like my prayer time has become powerful because I know who I am and that I can go to my father and have this intimacy with him and, and bring my request to him and, and pray for people that we've been given authority to go and pray for the sick. We've been given, given authority through Jesus name to go preach the gospel and, and to pray for revival you know, and, and so we need to cling on to that identity because when we cling on to that identity, then the enemy's in trouble because we know who we are and what we can pray for and who our father is. We can cling on to that faith. And so that is so amazing with this chapter and that, that's what I just love about it. And he's, he's establishing these boundaries and, you know, we start seeing boundaries being established because the Lord is, is creating a nation that is set apart from all these other nations out there that are living unholy. And so he's, he's establishing what is, what he wants his people to do. And then he's also establishing a, a holy reverence for him, a holy fear of him, a healthy fear. It wasn't that, you know, when we see that they the, the Israelites were so scared that they didn't want to be in his presence and it was he was testing them to to have them fear him to where they will obey him but it wasn't to the you know but they they lived in cowardly fear they they wanted to close their hearts and not follow the lord you know at that time and so when he was going to present himself we see that he tells Moses how they're to to consecrate themselves, um, and he also establishes a boundary that they weren't to come up on this mountain, they were only supposed to stay in the valley, and so he ends up talking about this, and, and, and then the, the presence of the Lord comes in, and that's when we get the Ten Commandments, and, The 10 commandments that we see today and in chapter 20 it goes over the 10 commandments and you know we think of them as just laws but they are how we are to respond to the lord our god and and how we respond to other people that's something that a lot of people misunderstand with the law was to love the lord your god with all your heart and we're going to see that in the book of matthew the greatest commandment is to love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind. And the next greatest is to love your neighbor as yourself. And it's like, so these laws were for us to, you know, were for the Israelites to love the Lord, but also to how they were to love their neighbor How they were to respond to each other. And the first thing he established was, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He sets up here that it was him and him alone. That is God and the one who brought them out of slavery. He establishes that there's only one God. And then second commandment is that they are not to have any other gods. He was to be the only one that they were to worship. And there is no other gods. You know, everything else is just demons, you know. And that they weren't to make idols for themselves. They were just to worship him. And. You know, and today idols could be anything from money to Facebook, to, to even a celebrity, even our own spouses and even like hunting, fishing, sporting events can become an idol. Now there's nothing wrong. Like people go, well, what's your problem with football? There's nothing wrong with football. You know, if you, you know, there's nothing wrong with a Christian watching football, but if they start putting football above God, that's when you start making it an idol. You know, there's nothing wrong with Facebook, you know, and, you know, especially when you have family that lives a long distance away, you know, Facebook is a great thing to keep up with family, but when you allow Facebook to take over your time with God, that's when it becomes an idol. And so, you know, there's this balance and he didn't want them to have these idols because think about it in, in these days, the people that they were dealing with, these people worshiped other idols they didn't worship the lord they worshiped multiple idols that were supposed to represent like fertility and 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 harvest they were worshiping these things that were not real and they weren't they didn't know the lord and they were starting to live on defiled and 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 all of that so he talks about that and then he talks about not misusing the name of the lord And that's because the Lord's name, you know, when you think about it, like he was talking about with Moses that I am, I, I am who I, or I am, I am, and you know, that his name is, I am, and that's holy, you know, he established himself to Moses that he is holy. And that means his name is holy. And to this day, I do not like it when people misuse his name, like I was walking we came across this video on YouTube and this person cussed and they used the Lord and Jesus's name in vain. And I was so mad, like at this person, cause I was like, how dare you use my, my, my Lord's name in vain because this holy is powerful. We are not to use it in vain, you know, and we have to watch ourselves, you know, when we talk. And, and even what we watch, I am not going to watch a movie where they're using the Lord's name in vain, you know, that is something that I will not watch, you know, there, you know, we don't use, you know, Buddha's name in vain or Muhammad's name in vain, then, you know, that's the same thing, you know? (laughs) So he, there's that commandment. And then he also, the Sabbath, as we talked about, in in the last podcast, he established from the beginning that his own creation was going to have a Sabbath day. And we're going to see that the Israelites, part of why they get deported is because they do not let the land have a Sabbath day, like Sabbath year, even they are commanded to give even their land a Sabbath year. And, and all of that, because it was sacred to let the land have rest to And he wanted them to have rest as well, you know, and that's how we are to be. We're supposed to follow this still to have a Sabbath day. Everybody was supposed to have a Sabbath. And then he establishes honoring, you know, your father and mother. And it it included all necessary acts of kindness, material support, respect, and obedience to one's parents. And we see when, when Jesus, you know, when we saw in our daily reading in the book of Matthew, where Jesus addresses where, you know, the Pharisees were making their oral tradition, the same as God's word, but they were, you know, saying, you know, in regards to honoring the mother and father. But if you do this and it's considered Corbin that they don't have to honor their father and mother, it was, they were making their tradition as equal to God's law. And it was like, no. That's not how it was supposed to be, you know, God said we are to honor our mother and father period, you know, and it's to this day. And I know that people do not have a good relationship with their parents and it's hard because sometimes, you know, yeah, parents are imperfect. They are, you know, but you know, we are still to honor and honor them and, and respect them you know, and this law, it prohibited unkind words and injurious acts. And sometimes it required the death penalty. And it was because he was establishing how to raise, how parent, you know, children were supposed to act towards their parents. And it used to be if a child was so rebellious, they could die because they were not honoring their father and mother and he was establishing that because you know we honor him as our father we're to honor our parents as well and even if they are not blood related they're a foster parent or an adoptive parent we're to honor them as well because they're the ones that are taking the time to raise us and and all of that that's how we we should react He establishes, you shall not murder. And we see it today. Murder is a capital crime. It's a capital crime because God, we are made in God's image. And so when you're killing somebody else, you're, you know, one, you're defying God and saying, I don't, I don't care for, for your creation. I don't care for you. You know, you have no respect for God in that instance, but it also is, you know, we're not to murder, we're not to harm another person, that's how we're, you know, we're not supposed to wish death, and it's even dealing, you know, Jesus deals with, when we're dealing with anger towards another brother or sister, you know, with another person, dealing with anger, and that anger can lead to, to us harming somebody, wishing that they were dead, or that they would be hurt, and that's about as bad as murdering somebody. So he establishes that and we see, and I'm going to show, you know, as we go through the law, that there are laws today in our United States that come from, you know, this source, you know, it comes from here. There are times that I've sat there and I'm like, because I worked for an attorney that did civil law. And I've also seen, you know, how things work in criminal. And it's like, that was in the Bible. You know, you start noticing where the source comes from this is the source right here, of do not murder, you know, you shall not commit adultery, you know, and in adultery, you know, it, it encompassed immorality and all sexual sins, it, it was abominable in God's sight, because, you know, just like, you know, when you're worshiping other idols, that's considered adultery, because, you know, you're putting something above God, and, you know, Adultery was, you know, we see adultery that, that it was punishable by death and it it transgressed God's moral law, you know, in the old Testament law, it was punishable by death. Um, it brought permanent and serious consequences and it does adultery, you know, sexual morality brings consequences. You know, that's why pornography is being addressed because pornography use is about a, is a really worse drug. You know, it's considered a drug in a way because it alters the mind um, and it changes the mind. And a lot of users of pornography, they start just innocent, innocently looking at, you know, just magazines and some videos. But then, you know, just like any other drug, that doesn't, you know, satisfy them. And they start lusting for more and more and more. And it actually leads them to, to more serious and unlawful hurt things that are against the law. You know, I, you know, these days I see a lot of people that are getting you know, punish, you know, they're getting caught for child pornography. And all it did was, all they did was start with, with just regular porn, but it, it went downhill from there, you know, and they started looking at child pornography because regular pornography wasn't doing anything for them. They started lusting for things that, that weren't right. And then it leads, you know, and then sometimes it leads them to molesting a child, kidnapping, you know, Elizabeth Smart has testified to that, that, you know, her captor, you know, Elizabeth Smart was, was and was kidnapped and, but she was later found, but she was also repeatedly assaulted. And it all started, you know, with her captor starting off with just regular porn and it just became more. And so, you know, and, and porn is adultery You know, it is adultery, and, you know, it's a form of adultery, and even if you're not married, it's adultery, because the Lord has made you for somebody else, not for that, and so, that's what it, you know, it's serious, it brings serious consequences, it causes marriages to fail, it causes, um you know, it causes women, you know, women who, you know, are betrayed by adultery, you know, it, it hurts them. They do not trust. They become very bitter and, and all of that. And for men, they, they wonder what's wrong. And, and that's the thing about it with pornography. When you have a spouse that's looking at pornography, you wonder what is wrong with, with what's wrong with you. You know why can't they be satisfied with just me and that's that's something that you know that has to be addressed you know and and all of that um it's and when you know and it's got to be addressed and it's addressed in the bible you know especially paul addresses it you know that you know leaders in the church were not to to um you know they were disqualified if from leadership you know if they were unfaithful in their marriage you know and that continued sexual morality could get you kicked out of the church and and all of that You know, and adultery, you know, when you're living in adultery, you're also, you know, breaking God's heart in that area because he only established one man and one woman together. You know, those who are unrepentant, you know, they have no inheritance at that point. And so... You know that was a huge thing, is is adultery, and then he also talks about stealing. You know, and that's the thing that we have. You can't embezzle money. You can't, you know, you can't steal from your employer. You can't steal from other people. Um, and that you're not to give false testimony against your neighbor. That he was protecting people. Um. You know, it's, it's protecting the name and reputation of other other people. Um and then you know, not coveting, you know, that we're not to covet what other people have. You know, we're not to covet for their spouse, we're not to covet for their land or their home. You know, is considered lust when you're when you're coveting and and jealousy is an unhealthy jealousy that, that could cause harm to somebody. And so he establishes the ten commandments and as we talked about the people were afraid and but you see that Moses approaches God like you just see him approaching God and that's how God wants us to be we're supposed to revere him but we want to you know we love you know have this reverence for him that we want to draw near to him and then he as we continue on and he starts establishing laws you know and this is how they were to live how they were to govern you know he's pretty much setting up this covenant and how israel was to be set apart and it goes into details it goes into finer details and you know like how an altar was how an altar was to be made you know, and then he also talks about Hebrew servants because, you know, in that time, slavery and, and servanthood, you know, were prevalent. And so God was addressing that. He was addressing that, you know, and we see that in the New Testament slavery, you know, in light of of Jesus and and, and the cross and the gospel you know, how do we address slavery with all of this that happens in this time? And so he's addressing that, you know, he didn't, you know, that if you buy a Hebrew servant, they were to serve for six years and then they were to go free on the seventh year, which, you know, seven is a year of completion. Seven means complete. And, but, you know, if that Hebrew servant loves their master and they don't want to leave, you know. Um then he he will become a servant for life. He established how that's supposed to happen. Um and he also establishes that if the master gives a wife, you know, that you know, the and they have children, the woman would, and the children are to stay with the master. And so, but the man would go free, but a lot of times you see these servants actually stay and, and so he's setting up how they're to, to be. And so as we continue on, we're going to see how he's establishing worship, how they're to live and set holy and set apart, you know, for, for God. And so, you know, and people think this is like the boring stuff. But really, when you look at it, it's just how we're supposed to have a relationship with the Lord. You know, how they were, you know, that's how you have to look at it. And so that's it for Exodus. We're going to have a full episode today because we're also talking about Psalms and and Proverbs and then Matthew. So continuing on in Psalm 20, this is also a Psalm of David. And so Psalm 20 and 21 are companion psalms. Um, we see that they're prayers to God about the warfare of his people against their enemies. And so Psalm 20 is a prayer before the battle. And then Psalm 21 is a praise after the battle. Um, and we can apply that because, and prayer and praise is a huge part in our spiritual warfare, you know, because as we know, and I've, I've talked in past, um, and past podcasts that, you know, we, we struggle against unseen yet very real forces of evil. And we yearn for victory over deliverance from Satan and demonic powers. And so when we look at Psalm 20, Psalm 20 is this prayer, you know, before the battle and something that we need to do, you know, and, you know, and we always have to be prepared you know, and part of preparing, you know, and, and I talk about this and I use this a lot when you see, because, and see, Paul even uses a Roman soldier's armor to, to talk about the armor of God. And in Roman times, he was inspired by the Roman soldiers. And it's when you see how Roman soldiers trained, they just didn't pick up a sword and shield and go and fight. They were always constantly training and being prepared for battle. They were practicing all the time. And that's how we are to be. You know, we're to continue to be in our word. We're to continue to be reading the word and applying the word to our lives so that when the battle comes, we know what the word says in our situations and that, you know, a lot of times we can quote from the top of our head or be praying and it'll come up because we will know how to pray in those, in those times and how to fight battle battles. If we're continuing to ignore the word and just be stagnant in our faith, we won't know how to fight Satan when he, when he comes to tempt us. And when we deal with trials and tribulations, we won't know how to deal with those times. But, you know, when we are constantly in the word and in, and in close proximity with God and praying to God and allowing him to change our lives, you know, and, and enter into our hearts and we have this relationship with him and we're so close in his presence, the enemy really cannot penetrate the armor that is on us because it's going to be strong and it's going to be ready and anointed and we will know how to fight when that day comes. And so that's pretty much it with Psalms that I wanted to talk about. And so let's continue to Proverbs chapter three. So Proverbs three is an interesting, you know, proverb because it's an interesting chapter because in in the book of Proverbs, because it has a well-known Bible verse in, in there. And that is so applicable to our lives. And as we start off in, in, Proverbs three, you know, he's talking about not forgetting teaching my teaching, you know, talking to his son, which is <clears throat> Solomon, but keep my commands in your heart for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. And, you know, generally speaking, obeying God and living by his holy pr- principles will result in better health, a longer life and a happier and more prosperous life because we're living in the joy of the Lord, you know, but we can't take this as an absolute guarantee because we do live in a fallen world. There are times the righteous are afflicted and they, and sometimes they don't live long lives. You know, there are tragedies that happen and sometimes it is the wicked who are healthy and prosperous. However, I just keep telling people just because they're healthy and prosperous, but if they're not following the Lord, their final judgment is not in a good place. They can't take their wealth or their, their keto diet to, 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 you know, to the afterlife with them. And so, and then three and four, you know, it, it you know, he's, he's continuing on about this and you see this kind of same thing talking about in, in, in the old Testament as well with the law. And you'll see it over and over. And I, I believe it's in Deuteronomy as well, that you will see, you know, bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. Now here's the most well-quoted, Bible verses, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Trusting in the Lord is opposite of doubting God in his word. And it's such it's so fundamental to trust. It's so fundamental in our relationship with God. And it's based on the premise that He is trustworthy. When we're not trusting Him, we're doubting Him. Um You know, we can always be assured that our heavenly father loves us and will faithfully care for us, guide us rightly, give us grace and keep his promises. You know, and even in times of difficulty, we can commit our way to the Lord and trust him to work on behalf. And then, you know, we are not to, to lean on our own understanding because think about it. We are imperfect. You know, our understanding is limited and it's subject to to, to error. And so, and as I was talking about with Psalm Psalm 20, that we are to be in the word of God, you know, and when we are enlightened with God's word and trusting in him, when those times of troubles come, we, the light, the path is going to be enlightened for us, what to do, how we're to pray, how we're going to handle the situation. Um, Yeah, we just can't depend on human reason. We can't, we can only depend on what God says and what his word says. And, you know, and, and everything we are to acknowledge him. We're to acknowledge him, our plans, our decisions, activities. We need to acknowledge God and his will as, as our supreme desire. We should acknowledge him in our plans, in our, in our, in our careers. We are to acknowledge him. And when we do those, he's going to make our paths straight. And so, you know, we go through this and, um, through this Proverbs, and I'm going to just kind of emphasize on a few things, you know, you know, he, uh, you know, emphasizes honoring the Lord with, with your wealth. And it's, you know, in that time, the Israelites were to bring their first fruits. And that's the same way with us. We are to bring our tithes, you know, from from our income, you know, to the Lord as an offering, because that's his, and he, he doesn't ask that much, you know, and that, you know, to honor him, it's a, it's a form of honoring him, you know, and then, you know, Solomon also talks about not despising the Lord's discipline. This is huge. A lot of people think that just a relationship with God is all feel good. The Lord is, you know, our father. And that means discipline, you know, kids screw up. And what do parents do? Do they let their kids just let their, you know, do whatever they want? No, when they do not follow the rules, there's, there's consequences and the kids are disciplined. You know, if you're, you know, you don't make it back on time from curfew and, you know, and, you know, your car, and it's not because your car broke down or whatever, you have those consequences, you know, that you're going to be grounded or you're going to have your cell phone taken away. That's the same way with the Lord. And that's part of his, his discipline. You know, when we're disciplined by the Lord, when he's convicting our hearts, it's allowing us to, to grow in him. And so we shouldn't despise his discipline when we're despising his discipline, we're allowing our hearts to become hardened and, and we're walking on that path to apostasy where, where, where we just shun God totally. And, and so we talk about that. And then he also talks about, you know, some of the things that I'm going to highlight. He, riches and honor, you know. There's nothing wrong with having nice, nice things on this world. There's nothing wrong with that. It's when we allow it to become idols in our lives. Because we can't take those. You know, we should desire the treasures in heaven. And all of that. You know, you can still have nice things. You know, you can still have a nice car. You can still have a nice home. You know, nice clothes and all of that. It's just you know, our desire should be those, those treasures and, and riches and, you know, riches in heaven, you know, and then, you know, and he also talks about, you know, go on your way in safety, you know, wisdom, when we allow wisdom in our lives, you know, and, and wisdom is when, you know, we're applying the word of the Lord in our lives and, and how in our relationships, our marriages, how we deal with people, you know, it keeps us walking safely in God's good, pleasing and perfect will. Um, And it, it allows, you know, God's not going to allow those who trust him to be caught or destroyed by the trap set by the enemy. He's always preparing us. And a lot of people make the mistake that the enemy, like a lot of the attacks of the enemy are sudden. He, I think he's meticulous about his plans. And I've heard, you know, some people say, you know, for example, like, you know, some people that I that I've listened to, some of these great men and women of God, they've talked about that, you know, before a trial came, you know, they were at a meeting and somebody who they didn't know would come up to them and pray over them for protection and all this, and then all of a sudden, you know, maybe years, months, whatever. There will be a time that spans and whatever was being prayed for just happens. And these people are not caught off guard at this point because they realize, hmm, this is what was going on. And so these are just some of the things that I wanted to highlight in, in Proverbs 3. And there's a lot to it. And I feel like probably... Sometime in the future, we'll just go verse by verse with, with Proverbs and talking about Proverbs. But now that's just what, um, was on my heart with Proverbs. And so we're going to continue on into Matthew. So continuing on in Matthew, um, we've been talking about the Passion Week. We are still in day three. And what has happened with day three was at the beginning, um, you know, we know that Christ and his disciples, they noticed the withered fig tree and then day three begins. Um, you know, it begins with controversy with the chief priest, the teachers of the law and the elders challenging Christ's authority. And that's when he starts, um, challenging them and, um, doing all these parables, um, And he has also made comments on paying taxes to Caesar and he responds in this at the beginning of our reading. He's responding to a question because the Sadducees they did not believe in the resurrection. Pharisees did. Sadducees didn't. They were a whole different. They were mainly your wealthy upper class people. Um that were in this group, they were okay with the status quo of having Rome rule. They had no problem with Hellenism. They kind of, they liked their status quo. And they are actually the ones more threatened by Jesus because he's affecting their status quo. And so they ask him this question about marriage at the resurrection and Jesus addresses that in here. And what it is, is it's not like we're not going to recognize our spouses. You know, when we go to heaven, it's going to just be at a deeper personal spiritual level. Like there's our relationships going to be so different. It's going to be different in the context of marriage and, and that, you know, even though somebody is physically dead, you know, he's addressing that, you know, he says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. So when we physically die, that's just a physical death. But when we have Jesus in our heart and he's our Lord and savior, and we have this relationship with him, um, it's so much more, you know, our, our spiritual life, you know, even though our physical body may die, you know, spiritually, we're going to be in heaven. We're going to be with the Lord and worshiping. So, um, so he addresses this and then there's this whole thing with the greatest commandment. And as you know, as we go into Exodus, this is so timely, you know, his reply is love the Lord, your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind. It's, Is loving the Lord and having this deep desire to love him. That's the greatest commandment. You know, you see these laws and it's just because of our love of the Lord, it causes us to follow his law, you know, that we will obey him because we have this love and reverence for him and he's above all else in our lives. He's so, we love him so much. We worship him. We desire for him above all things. And, you know, that's, you know, the greatest commandment. And then the second is, you know, like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So, you know, when we love the Lord so much, we are commanded to love our neighbor, even our enemy. We're to love our enemy, you know, as ourself, you know, there's such that And, and he says all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And you're going to see that it's how we respond to others, how, because of our love to the Lord, you know, it changes how we respond to others. It changes how we live because we set ourselves apart from the rest of the world. And, and that's what he's addressing is that these two greatest commandments is what, you know hinges on you know all the other laws and stuff hinge on these two greatest commandments and and then finally he he challenges them he confounds them with the question whose whose son is the christ and and they're like they said the son of david he's like he says but David says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. He's like, if then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? He confounds him. Now, yes, Jesus came from the genealogy of David, but he is not the son of David. He's the son of God. So That's where he was confounding them at. And so that's it for Matthew that I wanted to talk about. And we're going to continue on with day three. Day three is a really long day to talk about. So we'll we'll continue that in our next podcast um, with Matthew and um, continue. For the next reading, um please read Exodus chapter twenty one verse twelve through chapter twenty three verse six and then Psalm twenty one verses one through thirteen Proverbs four verses one through two and then Matthew chapter twenty-three verses one through twenty-six and I'm gonna end in a prayer and I just wanna thank you Lord for, for this day. Thank you for your promises, Lord, thank you that for the love and mercy that you give us, Lord, and that Lord, we just thank you that our identity is in you, that we don't have to seek our identity and in the world, Lord God, but we seek our identity in you and that it's true. It's powerful. And that Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would guide us and direct us that your word would just begin to form in our hearts, Lord, and that, and that Lord, we would just desire and crave for you more, and more lord jesus just develop our relationship even more with you that we your word would just begin to pop up in our heart and in our mind in every situation lord god that lord we would find our answers in your word and in your promises lord god and we just thank you for all that you continue to do and that just be glorified and magnified in jesus name mm-hmm.